everyone, before we get into tonight's stories, since Halloween is coming up, I got a quick question. What's your favorite scary movie? Favorite horror movie you've ever seen? Let me know down in the comment section below. I had this conversation with my uh, partner the other day, and I came to the conclusion that I have a handful, more than I thought I actually would. Uh, Coraline being one of them, even though it's technically a kid's movie. It's pretty terrifying for a kid's movie. Um, Grave Encounters is really good. Creep is one of my favorite found footage films. And on the topic of found footage, Blair Witch Project is also one of my favorite horror films. So let me know down in the comments section below what your top three or top five horror movies are. And what are you watching new this year? My family did a bonfire ritual last Halloween. And now they're all dead. It was my father's idea. He'd always been into the holidays, especially Christmas and Halloween, and he loved finding weird activities for us to spice up our normal festivities. He'd scour the internet for obscure customs for eggs at Easter, or a homemade recipe for eggnog that took hours to make and tasted like ass. Or, as he did last year, a Halloween bonfire ritual. He didn't tell us much about it ahead of time, but that wasn't out of the ordinary. Me and my mom had been around long enough to be used to his bullshit, but we knew it was just better to write it out with as few questions as possible, as questioning or complaining never did anything but slow the whole process down. As for the twins, they were only ten, and thought pretty much everything Dad did was awesome. That had nothing to do with the fact that he spoiled them constantly, while the main thing he gave me, his only son, was a hard time. No, nothing at all. Bonfires were cool, and as far as the holiday bullshit went, it didn't take too much effort. We just had to light a bonfire on Halloween night, and when the fire was out the next morning, we spread the ashes into a circle. Once the circle was made, we each picked a rock and put it inside the circle near the edge. Dad told us that we'd come back the next day and check on the rocks. That's where the details of it all got a bit more fuzzy. When Mom asked why we were doing any of this, he just shrugged. Said he'd been skimming through different Halloween customs online, and this one was something about telling your fortune over the next year. He laughed. Said his main goal had been to have a bonfire on Halloween, but if we wanted, he could always track down exactly what the stones were supposed to mean. I shot Mom a look, and we both shook our heads. She smiled at him. No, that's okay, honey. The bonfire was fun either way. That seemed to satisfy Dad at the time, and it wasn't until the next afternoon that he came in from the yard, his expression worried and tense. The rest of us were all in the living room, watching some dumb show on TV at the time, and when he walked in and turned off the show, the twins started to do their spoiled baby whine. He shot them a hard look and told them to be quiet. I sat up. Whatever this was, it was serious. What's the matter? My mother tried to keep her voice light, but she still sounded concerned. My father gave her a slight smile and a shrug. Nothing. It's just... Who took the stones from the bonfire circle? He glanced at each of us in turn as he spoke, his face drawn and pale. What stones? Oh, you mean the ones... He cut her off, his tone harsher now. Yes, Martha, the stones we put in yesterday morning. I just thought about it. When I went to go check, they were all gone. So I want to know who took them. My mother frowned at him. Why would anyone take those rocks? Couldn't they have just rolled away or gotten moved away by the wind? Dad was already shaking his head. We built that fire on a level spot, and there hasn't been much wind the last few days. Definitely not enough to blow our rocks out of the ash circle. He turned his gaze back to me. So, who moved the rocks? I met and held his gaze, though I could hear blood thrumming in my ears. Not me. I thought it was done to begin with. I mean, the bonfire was cool, but I never knew what the point of the rock even was. Staring at me a moment longer, 
he finally shifted to the twins. Girls, did you take the rocks we put out there? No, Daddy, they said in unison. John, what's this about? What's the big deal? Martha, did you take them? Mom rolled her eyes. No, of course not, but what does it matter? Why are you upset about some rocks anyway? He seemed on the edge of some decision then, perhaps an internal weighing of whether he should say more or let it drop. After a couple of seconds, he forced another small smile. It's nothing. Just dumb Halloween stuff, right? What do we want for dinner? That was the last we talked about it as a family, and after a couple of days, I forgot about it. The next few months were a pretty good time for all of us, and that following summer, I was busy getting everything ready for moving into a college dorm for the first time. I was going to miss being close to my family and high school friends for sure, but there was also this nervous excitement when I looked into the unknowable future that lay before me. I was online looking at places I might want to get a job near campus when my father called me. I could barely make out anything he was saying because he was crying so hard. Mom had been carrying the girls to dance class when they got T-boned by a logging truck. They were all dead before the first sirens got there. I almost deferred on school. Told Dad I could start a semester later without it being a big deal if he wanted me to stay around a few more months. He told me no. In that hollow way he always spoke now, words echoing out like musical notes from a mechanical organ with no hand or heart to guide them. Even then, as I racked my brain for some way to make things better, I never thought about the bonfire or the stones. Not until my dad begged me to come back to the house this past weekend. He'd been growing more anxious and strange the last couple of times we talked on the phone, and I'd been planning on going home for my fall break in a few days anyway, so I didn't see the harm in skipping my last couple of classes and heading back early. I knew something was wrong as soon as I pulled into the driveway. The grass was overgrown, and there was trash piled up on the side porch. When I tried to get the knife in front of the door, my key still worked, but the door wouldn't budge. Knocking and calling for him to open up, I heard him undo three more locks before he cracked the door and peered out at me with red-rimmed eyes. I could smell the alcohol in his breath, and when he swung the door wide and swept me up in a bear hug, the stale sweat stink of him nearly took my breath away. Hugging him back at first, I finally pulled away and walked past him inside. The house was filthy, but it was messy and cluttered with filled trash bags. Walking further in, I saw several empty beer cans in the living room and harder stuff on the half of the kitchen table I could make out from there. Dad seemed to pick up on my worried look as he patted my shoulder. Sorry, been meaning to clean up more. Thought you were coming on Saturday. I frowned at him. Dad, eh? It is Saturday. How... Have you been going to work? Going out at all? He gave me a wan smile and shrugged. I have. Sure, just... Less lately. I can do a lot of my work from here, and... They understand. Bereavement leave, they call it. I nodded. Okay, I mean, that's good, but... You don't look so hot. He turned and relocked the front door, a chain and two more deadbolts on top of what had already been there. Keeping his back turned, I saw his shoulders slump. I know how it looks. I've just been going through a real hard time. I I feel like I'm somehow responsible for what happened to your mom and the girls. When he finally did turn, his face looked haunted. And lately, the more I think about it, the more afraid I am that the same kind of thing is going to happen to me and you, as crazy as that sounds. Sitting my bag down, I stared at him. Dad, that is fucking crazy. 
That was that stupid truck driver's fault, not yours. What are you talking about? Tears springing to his eyes, he looked up at the ceiling. That bonfire. That goddamn bonfire game with the rocks and all. Me and my stupid bullshit. I didn't think there was anything to it, of course. Half forgot about it after we did the rocks. His lip began to tremble. But when I did remember... And I went out and looked. When all the rocks had disappeared, I... I looked it up again. Right there in the yard before I came inside. You remember me coming inside and asking you all about the rocks being missing? I nodded slowly, my stomach beginning to twist in on itself. Yeah, sure, I, I do, but listen, I, well, I looked back up the whole thing. I'd been wrong. It wasn't just a way of seeing your future for the year. It was... Oh, God. It was supposed to warn you if you were going to die in the next year. Dad, just let... He raised his hand and kept going. No. I've kept this a secret for a year, and it's been eating me up, especially since... Especially since the summer. I didn't want to say anything, because I didn't want you to hate me or think I was crazy, but I have to say it. The, the website said it was an old ritual, and that if a person's stone was damaged or disappeared by the next day, that meant that they'd die before the next Halloween, and... Dad buried his face in his hands, and he began to slide down the wall to the floor. And I don't know if I predicted it or if I caused it, but they died. And if it did cause it, then I caused it, didn't I? He snuffled wetly into his palm. And if that's true, what's to keep it from taking you or me? The wall felt like it was spinning. My knees were shaky and weak as I knelt down next to him. Dad, it's not the way the world works. It was just some silly superstition. And the stones just didn't disappear. It, it was my fault. He looked up at me, eyes still streaming. What are you saying? You're just lying to make me feel better. I appreciate it, but it doesn't... I grabbed his arm and gave it a squeeze as I softly interrupted him. No. Come back out, and I'll... I'll see if I can show you. Helping him to his feet, I took him out the back and across the yard to the tool shed. Heart in my throat, I looked between the back of the shed and the small propane tank that fed gas to the heater in the oven of the house. At first, I thought it was gone, but then I saw it. Tucked further back in the shadows, underneath the tank, but still there. Sucking in a breath, I reached in and pulled out a small shoebox that had once held Jenna and Jasmine's ice skates. Turning toward my father, I opened it up and showed him the stones inside. I took them. I did it later the same day we put them out. At the time, I thought it was going to be a funny prank or something, but then when you came in and acted mad about it, I guess I got scared. I played dumb, and then I forgot about it after. I, I felt tears springing to my eyes. Jesus, I'm so sorry. I had no idea you'd been obsessing about this the entire time. Dad looked in the box and then up to me. This... This isn't right. I shook my head. It is. There's no magic, just bad fucking luck and a kid who was too dumb to see what his dad was going through. I'm so sorry. He looked at the stones again. No. We're still not safe until we can find... Sighing, I pushed past him. I needed this to end now, and maybe reversing what I did was the only way I could really convince him everything was... Well, if not okay, at least I'm not going to get any worse. Fine, then. I'll put them back where I found them, okay? I could still see the sooty edge of the ring of ashen spots, even after all this time. Was that strange? 
Would it have washed away a long time ago or the grass grown back there already? No, I was letting him infect me with this weird, crazy grief. This needed to be over. You're not listening to me. That's stepping over into the circle. I dumped the stones back out onto the ground. As I looked back up, I tried to keep the frustration out of my voice. This was all my fault, after all. See? They're back. We're fine. And they're just rocks anyway. None of this actually means... There's only four. He wasn't looking at me now, but down at my feet. And as I followed his gaze, I felt my tongue grow thick. He was right. I had noticed it before, but... There had been five stones when I took them. One for each of us. Now one of them was missing. Forcing a smile, I looked back up at him. Dad, it's, it still doesn't... The day split in two as a thunderclap sent me hurtling 20 feet back until I finally slid to a stop on the far side of the ash circle. Eyes watering, my ears ringing, I looked around for what had happened. That's when I saw my father somehow still standing. What was left of him, at least. When the propane tank blew, a foot-long shard of metal had cut him nearly in half between his neck and right shoulder before missing me and burying itself into a far garden wall. He stood there staring at me as he peeled apart like a wilting flower and then he just toppled over dead onto the ground. I wanted to scream, but my chest hurt too much. Gasping and coughing, I slowly got my breath back enough to let out a small wheezing wail as I crawled my way forward. I stretched out one trembling hand and grasped one of the rocks I dumped out so casually before, gripping it now as though my life depended on it. It was a pointed chunk of dark granite, and I remember picking it as my rock the year before, clearly. Letting out a weak sob, I crawled to put my rock in the center of the ash circle, far away from the uncertainty that lay beyond its edge, and nestled close to where the bonfire's light had once lived. And where, just maybe, I could still live, too. It's been a long time since I reveled in the fears of those I used to prey on. It could be said that I reformed from my old ways. Well, the old ways of my kind. Not just my own. There was in times when I enjoyed the hunt even more than the meal, but I suppose I matured sometime over the centuries. Yes, I am ancient. Ancient to your perception of the world, anyway. To my kind, I'm still quite young, and there are even far older things than us, I can promise you that. Humanity has barely scraped the surface of the mysteries this world truly holds, and mine are only slightly ahead of you in such knowledge, truth be told. There are many things that you got right about us, yet so many that you've gotten wrong. First and foremost, we are not attracted by your standards. To my people, I'm a fairly average-looking individual, one who can easily blend into a crowd. I'd find it significantly more difficult to blend in with your people, but it can be done. It does take focus, mind you. We're not shapeshifters, but we can influence how you see us. It was not easy at first, but I've grown quite talented in the act, as I do enjoy walking in the human world when I can. Perhaps that is what led to my, shall we call it, rehabilitation. And yes, in my younger years, I would feast on you by the dozens without batting an eye. Over time, however, I think humankind began to grow on me. It was the children, I believe. Regardless of how sinister I may have appeared in your eyes, I would never feed on a child. Even when I saw you as a little more than cattle, I could never in the life of an innocent. Perhaps I just never had the appetite for the taste of the pure of heart. It could be that the dregs of humanity have a more potent flavor. That being said, I will not pretend that I have never quenched my appetite on a harmless adult. Very few were off-limits to me in my youth as I considered your kind beneath me. 
though there are aspects of society that still disgust and confuse me, I no longer think of you all in such a manner. There are some, of course, but I no longer take the life of anyone unless I feel that they deserve it. There will always be filth to serve my needs, and I do enjoy the flavor. It's probably been some 300 years or so since I adjusted my outlook. I even took a human mate for a time. Her children were a delight to spend time with, even though they could see behind my illusion. Perhaps not the entirety of the real me, so to speak. Pure hearts can figure out the truth of things so much easier than the corrupt. Adulthood inherently brings with it a certain degree of corruption to even the most innocent of souls. It's just the nature of things, I would think. We see the world for what it is when we grow up, no longer just how we want it to be. I grew very fond of my Abigail, my mortal companion, and her two little ones. I stayed with them for many years, but ultimately I would leave them before the years weaved their unfortunate spells on the frail mortal shell. I think it was curiosity more than anything that led me to live with the mortal world for those years. I was fascinated by your ways, though I did not fully understand them. My people have little in the way of emotions, though we are not blank slates, as many would believe. I think we have many aspects that would appear quite foreign to you, aside from just the obvious physical appearance. We do not age in the same manner that you do. I suppose I can be taken for granted from the words I've spoken so far. We do have diseases and mental ailments, but they differ greatly from anything you could ever relate to. Another misconception about us is that we cannot transform your kind into ours. Our blood can carry pathogens that can lead mortals to crave that which we feed on, but it's more of a condition than an alteration. It frees the soul from the body, leaving only a walking shell. This reimagining husk requires living sustenance to survive. My community has actually taken great offense to cults that have formed from such a disease. They would claim to be our equals, but they have no manner of understanding how far off they are in their assessment. Yes, should they continue to feed, they will live indefinitely. Surely they will be more impervious to bodily harm, along with the ability to heal certain wounds after suffering damage. It is still something more likened to donning a costume and playing a part than becoming anything like my kind. We can go without feeding for many years, should we choose. Unfortunately, this would render us with similar weaknesses to those of your kind, but it has been known to happen. We can even feast on the traditional delicacies of the mortal world, should we choose, that we would reap little benefit from it. I must say, I'm quite fond of such things as your fried chicken and the occasional steak. Although I do like to walk amongst your people, the focus it takes to keep my appearance hidden requires a great deal of effort the longer I maintain it. This is why I've grown to thoroughly enjoy the festivities of All Hallows' Eve. It's the only time of the year that I can allow my true face to be observed and cause no more than a fleeting fright to those who may look upon it. It is a manner of freedom that my kind rarely gets to experience. I like walking the streets and enjoying the laughter of children, though I find my eyes rolling at the sight of the older youths, the late teenage girls dressed in their skimpiest outfits, regardless of how cold the outside air feels to them, the teenage boys wearing idiotic parody costumes that only serve to make fun of others. The smaller children show so much more class than the older ones. In recent years, there has grown an unsettling trend amongst some of the young people who attend a nearby university. They've proven to be quite the foul and useless examples of humanity who only enjoy bringing anguish to others. I've observed them from a distance over the months in an attempt to understand their motivations. They call their actions practical jokes, and they even record them on their little devices that are rarely far from their grasp. They publish their clips on a variety of your internet pages, and I've observed others marvel at their works. I watch your world and attempt to understand your ways, but some things make very little sense to me. I must say, I've grown quite fond of your world wide web. Many of my peers mock my interest in your society, but most of them still cling to the old ways. They see you as little less than animals who have overtaken the land and forced us underground. I've attempted to convince them that 
We may still share the surface world, but they refuse to use our inherent abilities to blend in amongst you. They know all too well how mankind treats those they do not understand, and we've lost legions over the centuries to your fearful throngs. Those tales may lie in your books of fables and myths, but they show so much more clearly in our encyclopedias. Regardless of our shared history, I bear you no ill will. Were my kind greater in number, though, I imagine they would force all of you away from the light and into the caverns that we dwell within. There are so few of us left, and I believe it would be best if we could find a common ground after all these years. The group of miscreants I spoke of apparently grew tired of badgering their own peers and set their sights on the children of the city. As the Halloween season approached, I witnessed some of the youths in masks leaping from trees to terrify young boys and girls who happened to pass by. They succeeded in causing a little girl to cry while I watched from the shadows one evening. She fell to the ground, tore a deep gash into the flesh of her little knee. She wept while the taller child, presumably her sibling, crouched beside her in an attempt to calm her down. The teenagers in the grotesque's mask only laughed as the two of them slapped their hands together, seemingly celebrating their defeat of such an innocent victim. I donned my most innocent and friendly face before making my way out of the darkness to greet them. I attempted to reason with the older youths and convinced them that scaring little ones was no way to feel better about their own miserable lives. This only served to bring them more levity as they strolled away, reveling in their victory. I helped the crying little girl back up to her feet and attempted to assist her brother in calming her down. Unfortunately, I only scared her more at first. She could see the shadow behind my veil, though just a hint of it. After a moment, she could sense that I meant her no harm, and she offered me a delightful smile for my efforts. She asked me what I was, an inquiry which caused her brother to study me more. He also saw beneath my mask, but he too did not flee in terror. I basked in their wonderful presence over the passage of mere moments in time as I escorted them back to their home after a small stop at a nearby ice cream shop. It's truly magical to me that children have the ability to see beneath the flesh. I know my appearance can tear into the bravest of men, but to a child, I am but a curiosity. Before I bid the two goodnight, they spoke with a variety of attacks these immature teenagers had been inflicting on others. It had become a tradition of theirs these past few Halloween seasons. The two children seemed to regain their fear of me for a moment when I'd bitten to my thumb before their eyes. I'd learned to control the toxins running through my veins over the centuries, so I'd be able to repress any contagions should I choose. I allowed one single drip to fall from my fingertip into the little girl's open wound. She and her brother marveled at the sight of her gash, closing shut, leaving no scar behind or any trace of damage to her flesh. She wrapped her tiny arms around my neck and rewarded me with a small peck of her lips on my scaled and hardened cheek. This caused a warmth to spread through my chest that I had not felt since I played in the field with Abigail's son and daughter so many years before. I assured that the two pranksters would learn the error of their ways very soon. I continued to observe the group of teenagers over the following days. I watched them from afar as they harassed so many more of the town's children. I watched on while the five of them laughed so much harder when they caused the little ones to fall to the ground. I felt a rage build from within me that I would not felt in decades. Though their actions angered me, I had no intention of bringing them any more than a simple fright. That was until they provoked a throng of small children to flee from their display, causing a few of them to slip and fall down a nearby hill. The two small boys and one little girl became silent when they made contact with the ground below. I leaped down after them, still hearing the laughter of the attackers from above. My bloodlust boiled over and I fought against the building urge to strike. I reached the tree on the lumpy ground at the base of the hill. All of them had gashes and cuts across their faces and limbs. The smaller boy had broken both of his legs while the other boy and girl had suffered fractures of wrists and shins. Once more, I allowed droplets of my blood to fall into open wounds. Their small bodies contorted as they repaired themselves from within. 
Though the bones would heal, I had to assist in snapping them back into place before my blood fixed them at the unusual angles they lay in. Though the three were unconscious, they still winced and moaned from the pain as I was forced to inflict upon them. This was only to help them, but I still felt a stab of guilt for causing them harm. The children would heal and remain unaware of my involvement, but this would not quench my thirst for vengeance. Perhaps I would return to the old ways one last time. The night of Halloween arrived, and the hateful teenagers spread their malice to any children who crossed their path. I followed close behind, having taken the form of vapor to remain unseen. Every fright they caused and every torment they provided only served to fuel my rage. I'd stalk them through the night, but I would not strike until they were away from the children. I fought against my desire to shred their throats in front of the little ones, but my intent was not to traumatize the innocent. Still, their simple pranks may seem trivial to some, but to a child, they cut so much deeper. A pack of hooligans made their way into the woods. Perhaps they sought to find more prey behind the cover of trees. Maybe they had their fill for the night and decided to take a shortcut back to their dorm rooms. Their reasons made no matter to me. This would be where I would strike. They enjoyed bringing fear to the innocent. But I adored providing terror to the hateful. I followed behind, still in my misty form. I reached out to snap the occasional tree branch to revel in their alarmed glances behind them. All five were draped in tattered robes and rubbery masks. The tallest one pulled off his face covering to reveal widened eyes when I snapped a long branch from a tree only a foot behind them. As they quickened their pace, I knew my plan was proving fruitful. I spread my vaporous form as widely as I could to sever a circle of dry, rotted limbs around them. They all cascaded to the ground, landing in intermittent intervals after bouncing in and out of other branches on the descent. The quintuplets stopped and darted their heads around them in all directions. They spoke softly to each other as they turned around, seemingly intent on making their way back out of the forest. They moved quickly, but I moved faster. I scattered limbs before them and to their sides, causing them to travel the path that I desired. They would not be leaving this forest until I was finished with them. With my guidance, they buried themselves deeper into the dense wood until I was satisfied they were safely away from prying eyes. Now the bloodletting could begin. They had all pulled off their masks as the rubbery material had apparently restricted their flow of oxygen while their pace hastened. This was good. I wanted to see the expressions on their faces. I severed one last small and slender tree branch and sent it flying toward the tall one who was first to remove his false face. He screamed in delicious agony when the jagged limb penetrated his left thigh. I made sure to avoid any arteries as I would not yet decided if they would be allowed to survive this encounter. The boy fell to his knees, gripping his hands tightly around his leaking wound. The other four ran to his side while darting their eyes across the darkened trees. I wanted so badly to make my appearance and introduce them all to a horror they cannot fathom, but that moment had not arrived just yet. They still sought rational explanations for the broken slice of wood that sprouted from the oozing thigh. I split a variety of many-sized limbs, causing them to shatter into splinters. I rained them down upon the five waiting victims like a storm that had erupted from above them. They all screamed in unison, a thousand thorn slivers buried into their flesh, binding thin streams of crimson to leak slowly down their faces and arms. The thin strips were not strong enough to penetrate their extravagant clothing, but severe damage was not the purpose of this. <sighs> yeah, they were afraid now. They screamed into the night as they gathered their friend from the forest floor. They all wore wounds now, but none were significant enough to cause any more than light scarring. They all fled in the same direction, and it was just about time for me to introduce myself. Though my body was gaseous at the moment, I could still feel the tingles of anticipation. It had been so long since I hunted for anything more than sustenance, and I forgot how thrilling it could be. I shot ahead of them to prepare for my arrival. Turning myself to vapor did not allow my body to be clothed as inorganic material could not be transformed. 
Somehow I thought my nudity would just be as unsettling to my prey as my scaled flesh. What would they notice first, I wondered. Would it be my yellowed eyes glowing in the moonlight? Perhaps the rows of jagged teeth behind the grayed flesh of my lips, the claws that tore through the skin of my elbows and knees, or the twin spikes of my shoulders. It may even be the talons on the tips of my three-fingered and dual-thumb hands I would catch their eye. I was enjoying this way more than I expected. I stood several yards in front of them when I made my body corporeal again. Transforming back to the flesh would always leave my skin slick and moist as a in sweat. I held my arms slightly outward with my talons spread wide, keeping my head lowered so that my thick dark hair would hang low on my face, revealing only the glow of my eyes through the strands. I even erected the fleshy wings from my veined and muscled back to allow my vast wingspan to prove that what they were seeing was far from human. I felt the ground beneath my feet vibrate as they skidded to a halt before me. Every one of them began to tremble, and a couple of them allowed their bowels and bladders to give in to the fear. Huddled together, they began to gradually back away, as if they thought I may not have noticed their arrival. I allowed my voice to devolve back into the guttural and wailing sounds of the golden age of my kind. Do not turn away from me, I demanded, feeling my body shake with anticipation. If you flee, you will never leave this forest again. Of course, they still attempted to run, but I would have hoped for no less. This is where the real fun begins. I chose to soar toward the two who had ran together first. The long-haired boy kept his arm wrapped around the taller one with the twig still protruding from his leg. I picked them both out with my taloned feet and raised them high above the trees. They screamed and writhed in my firmly grasping toes until I released my grip and allowed them freedom that they fought for. Their blood still dripped from my talons which had pierced into the tender flesh of their shoulders. I briefly entertained the notion of letting them crash into bloody heaps on the firm ground below, but they would never learn their lesson through a terminal series of broken bones and twisted meat. I quickly descended toward them and regained my grip on the already shredded tissue I'd grasped before. We were close to the forest floor when I caught them, but I slowed their approach before releasing them once more to shatter bones against the hard bark of trees. They lay still and unconscious, but I could still hear their beating hearts. I retracted my wings and sprinted on all fours to the three others who had escaped into the forest. I could smell their fear and feces so they would not stay ahead of me for long. I leaped on top of the heavy boy with shaggy hair, snapping both of his shins as I pinned him to the ground. He spat as he screamed an assortment of curses and I watched several strands of his hair turn pure white when I disjointed my jaw and allowed it to fall wide open like the gaping maw of a hungry shark. The pure joy I felt in his terror was momentarily interrupted, but my desire to bite out his throat and feel his spewing fluid spraying into my mouth. I fought the urge, as these foul individuals did not deserve a bloody death for their insults and pranks. They did, however deserve to observe firsthand what fear truly looks like. I twisted my jaw back shut while the boy prayed on whatever god he found holy to allow his life to continue. I wrapped my hand around his face, allowing my talons to tear holes into his forehead and cheeks. I pounded his head into the ground until he lost consciousness, leaving a bloody reminder of what he saw that night. Only the pair who took the foreground on the prank against the little girl and her brother remained. The others had watched and laughed at their actions, but I saw this final couple to be the leaders of this band of hooligans. They always began the assaults and reveled the most in the tears and the injuries of the children. Their price would be the steepest to pay. Would I take limb, perhaps? Leave them horrifically scarred and unfit for life among other humans? The options were many, but my time was short. Maybe we start small and see how it goes. Were my flesh capable of producing goosebumps, I imagine I would be sporting quite a few right now. I vaporized again to continue my pursuit in silence. I needed to get them together again. A nudge here and there should do the trick. I scattered more branches to guide their path once more. I even allowed parts of me to solidify to gently push them in the direction I wanted. The woods were quite dense in places, so it would lead them to a clearing. I would even allow them a moment to think they had eluded me. 
This was the most fun I'd had in centuries. As planned, the two found themselves in a wide open area in the center of the forest, having the belief that they'd arrived here of their own volition. They chose to observe from high above after they stopped running and caught their collective breath. They embraced each other and spoke of what they had seen. They spun theories of elaborate makeup and costume design while taking no time to inquire about the condition of their associates. It was as though they had completely slipped from their memory. They perched down beside the thin stream that ran through the clearing, washing their faces and drinking from the water in their cupped hands. The forest had fallen silent as my presence often had that effect on the wildlife of such places. They sensed what I was and kept themselves hidden when my kind was nearby. Had these teenagers the same instincts, they may have been able to shield themselves from me. I softly allowed my gaseous form to descend to where the two sat side by side. The parting of the trees allowed the moonlight to illuminate the clearing and reflect in the water of the stream. I began to solidify once more, but remained silent behind my waiting prey. I sat by the stream, gazing into the night. If all went as I hoped, they would not notice me until their eyes met the reflective pool bearing my image behind them. I watched as their posture stiffened as, one by one, they felt the presence of something at their backs. I watched the water reveal their eyes gazing down upon it. They appeared too frightened to even move, which both delighted me and caused my heart to sink ever so slightly. My pursuit had come to a close, and this would be the final act of the night's festivities. The taller of the two turned slowly to face me. His eyes met my midsection, which paralleled his gaze. He turned his head gradually upward to stare into my face. I wore a wide smile that bared each and every one of my razor-sharp teeth. Drool seeped from my mouth and dripped from my chin and onto my chest. It joined with my scaled flesh that was still moistened from my transition back into a solid form. I heaved with mimicked breath as I did not need oxygen to fill my non-existent lungs. I wanted to appear feral and ravenous to the two cowering teenage boys who had brought such misery to the children of this small town. I looked on as they trembled in more visceral and blood-curdling terror than their little minds knew how to reckon with. I drank in their fear, and it nourished me more than any meal could ever hope to do. Both of the boys faced me now. They adjusted their posture to prop upon their knees while they begged their gods to spare their worthless lives. I stretched one single arm out in front of me. They wailed and bargained with me to spare them, which only drove rage deeper into my ancient soul. With one single grasp, I snatched the quivering lumps of flesh before me from the ground on which they knelt. I gouged both of the talon thumbs on my left hand into one of each of their eyes, and they screamed in agony and shock. I did not push my fingers deep enough to penetrate their fragile brain tissue, though I cannot say the thought did not cross my mind. My immense and powerful wings beat against the air of the clearing as I lifted them high above the tree line. The two writhed and wailed while I held them still outstretched before me. I watched the fear grip their remaining eyes as they begged harder than before for me to spare their worthless lives. For a moment, I found great temptation to feed on their fragile bodies, to bury sharp teeth deep into their flesh and quench my thirst on the life force they still held within. A fresh meal was not the purpose of this endeavor, nor was ridding humanity of these trembling specimens. The deep gashes I clawed into their chest and midsections while we hovered above the forest below were only to allow them to always remember our meeting. They would never be able to read the words I carved into their skin. It was an ancient and long-forgotten language that only my kind would be able to decipher. Roughly translated, their flesh now bore variations of the words filth and free meal. I even sliced my name to them like a painter autographing their work. I swiftly dropped them back to the earth below and released the two above the rocks and pebbles that surrounded the stream. 
When they awoke, they could clean their wounds with rippling water, but they would always bear the marks I branded them with. Their newfound lack of death perception would also remind them to never revisit their old and immature ways. I stared at their twitching bodies next to the deceased and dried leaves of the woods. I felt proud of the deeds I'd accomplished this night, and I rewarded myself with a snack. The two fresh eyeballs that sat still impaled on my taloned thumbs. I plucked them off and chewed them up, savoring the delicacy I had not enjoyed in many moons. The hour had grown late, but still, I had time to stroll through the city streets and breathe in the remaining hours of my beloved Halloween. Tomorrow I would don my mask again, but tonight... I would walk proudly amongst the people of this world. It's been almost a year since that night, and the five teenagers remain in one of your mental facilities. Of course, no one believes the tale they spun of the terrors they experienced, but they do tell an interesting story. I still look in on them from time to time. I even allow them to see my face peering through the window when I feel like I could use a little levity. Their reactions are truly priceless. I still watch over the wonderful children of this small town and their smiling, playful faces continue to remind me of why I gave up my ancient ways. Halloween is upon us again. I ask that you remember this. Should you choose to prey on others this season, pay attention to those walking the streets beside you. Perhaps not all of the grotesque and monstrous faces you will look upon are made of latex and plastic. Maybe some of them are not as forgiving as I. <laughs>